Six years ago, I made my first and only hard cider, and I never made one again. And I'm not really sure why, because it was okay, and it was fun to do something outside of the normal all-grain brewing. So I'm finally making up a cider in this episode. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing. I am Matt, and in this episode, I am making a peach cider. I said in the intro that I made a cider previously, but that was from a kid. That was pretty much the Mr. Beer equivalent of cider that I got. You got the concentrate of the juices, and in this case, is a blueberry cider. You added water, and you pitched your yeast. Wasn't a whole lot to that. There was no ingredients for me to pick, no real thought in the planning out, really no weights and measurements. I guess a measurement, the only real measurement there was, was the amount of water to add, which it told you how much water to add. So I really didn't consider that making a cider as much as mixing up a cider. It was almost like making a, a Kool-Aid, but adding some, letting nature add some alcohol to it. I probably could have gotten the same result putting a couple shots of vodka into a, a bottle of apple juice. So I wanted to make a cider from scratch this time to some extent now, because that can range from a whole lot of things from exactly what I explained. Just actually, it could be pitching yeast into apple juice all the way down to picking and crushing and juicing your own apples. Now that later part, even taking away the picking the apples, just the, the, the pressing your own apples Looks like a very laborious task. Looks kind of messy, and it involves some kind of pricey equipment that I don't have and don't really intend to have for the amount of cider that I plan to make, which is not much. So I'm I wouldn't really say I'm taking this down the middle, but it's it's a little it's a it's farther away from that and just a little far a little distant from just adding water and waiting. So I made up a recipe using pre-made apple juice, 100% apple juice, no preservatives, no nothing to stop the yeast. And I'm going to add some fruit to it. And then I'm going to back sweeten it a couple ways. There's a couple things I want to do to back sweeten it to kind of balance it out the same ways I approach a mead. So I'm still not getting the apple juice from the apples themselves myself. I am letting a Another company do that, but in the end, the final product, I think I'm going to have a lot more hands-on control than I did the first cider ever made. So to make this a little more of my own and not just fermented apple juice, I'm going to attempt to make a peach cider, a cider with peach flavor in it. It's still going to be predominantly apple juice, but I want to add that extra bit of fruit in there to give myself some more to do, some more to think about, some more to work out, and some more to learn from as I go along the way. So this episode is going to be a little different from the process of brewing beer. In fact, it's going to be much like the meat episode in a lot of ways. I'm going to make a one-gallon batch, and that starts very easily and probably probably obviously with one gallon of apple juice. Again, this is 100% apple juice, no preservatives, no enrichments, just apple juice. That's all it says on the label. In fact, the, the actual ingredients read 100% apple juice from concentrate. So that is the long and short of the apple juice period i'm not gonna mix a bunch of blends i'm not gonna play with ciders i'm not gonna do any of that yet i'm gonna just see how what happens with just pure 100 apple juice and the other additions i put in for the peaches i have two pounds of frozen peaches sliced and i'm gonna let them sit and rise at room temperature now it sounds like a lot of peaches for one gallon 
But peach is a very delicate flavor that gets covered up really easily, I've learned, on making other things with peach. And two pounds might actually not be enough. It's kind of just a number I picked and hoping to see what happens. And I'm basing that decision on the fact that I've seen most fruit cider with fruit recipes have one pound of whatever that fruit is per gallon. Sometimes if it's a one gallon batch, it'll say one pound five. It'll be like five pounds. I don't think I needed to explain that math, but I'm just showing you where I'm coming from. So I'm doubling that. And like I said, knowing peach pretty well when it comes to like fermented um, uh, uh, beverages and other other beverages, two pounds still might not be enough. But that's I think is a good starting point to let me know how far off I am. I think with one pound, I wouldn't even have any idea. I think it would be so lost that I would be had to start at two pounds again anyway for a second batch. So I'm just kind of jumping that step and jumping right into two pounds. There's only two other things I'm going to add initially to this cider to get it started. And the first is going to be peptic enzyme. I'm going to use about a half teaspoon of that total. I'm going to put a quarter of that teaspoon. I'm going to sprinkle it over the def- defrosting, is that right? Yeah, defrosting uh, peaches. That should help break them down a little more, make them a little uh, easier to pull the juices out and uh, as everything's fermenting. And then I'm going to put the other quarter in with everything to help with the entire uh, apple juice and the peach juice help. It's going to help clear it out. It's going to help break everything down, should help everything with the fermentation. The second thing I'm going to add is the yeast. And I'm going to be pitching Saf Cider AB-1. And that's meant mostly, its goal is to make a balanced mead. And that's about where I want my mead to be. I want it to be balanced. I don't, I don't want it to be too dry. I don't want it to be too sweet. Now, what I have read about this yeast is that even this one tends to end on the drier side. And then you end up having to back sweeten. And that's fine. I'm prepared to do that. But I figured I'd try to get as much initial sweetness as I could so I don't have to add a whole lot of stuff to the to the I'm sorry, to the beer in the end. We'll see. Never used never specifically selected a cider yeast before. And I'm not even entirely sure it's like quote a cider yeast. I think it's like an, an ale yeast or maybe a blend of other ale yeast from Fermentus to kind of get to that stopping range that attenuation point i'm not not entirely sure there's such thing as just cider yeast i know there's really not such thing as mead yeast there's wine yeast and beer yeast and everything else is a version or blend or something of a combination so cider yeast just maybe one of those i don't know i shouldn't say that definitively because i'm not sure but this is what i'm trying the safe cider ab-1 I will be adding a bit of yeast nutrients. So I guess three things in here, though I kind of consider yeast and yeast nutrients the same pitch because they work hand in hand. So technically, that'll be the third thing I add on top of the juice and the fruit in this fermentation. Then when we get to back sweetening, I am planning to use allulose. I am not entirely sure if that is going to give me the flavor I want, but I did see a couple of videos and recipes that from the description that they're talking about, it sounds like allulose is what I want to use as a sweetener. I've seen some other things as well. I've actually seen, um, oh, is it erythritol? I've seen, there's another one I can't think of off the top of my head now. It's a uh, jackfruit, I think. Other natural non-fermentable sweeteners, but allulose sounded like it plays with the apple flavor and possibly the peach, peach flavor. 
if I can draw it out the way I want it to. I don't know. I've never used it before, and I don't use a whole lot of. Um, un- I almost said artificial. That's not the word. Uh, non-fermentable sweeteners post any fermentation. If I'm back sweetening a meat, it's typically been stabilized with sulfates, and then I use honey, which is a fermentable sweetener. So I'm little. I'm flying into this line. We will see. I'm going to do it to taste like I do to meads. At least that's a plan. Unless it hits <laughs> exactly what the taste profile I want after fermentation, I ain't going to mess with it, obviously. But I can't even begin to say that because I'm not there yet because I haven't even put these ingredients together. So let's go ahead and do that and let's get this cider making session started now. It is time to start the cider, and I'm going to start by getting these sliced peaches thawed. So I got two pounds here of frozen sliced peaches, and I have a stainless steel bowl that I sanitized, and that's the sound of one pound going in. And between these, I'm going to I'm going to split a quarter teaspoon of peptic enzyme between these two pounds. I'm going to put a. Oops, I'm opening it now. I'm trying to do this all with one hand. This is not optimal so i'm gonna get a quarter teaspoon of the peptic enzyme here there we go that's actually perfect and i'm gonna sprinkle half of that over this first pound and that's about half that's probably a little little less but that's okay and now i'm gonna put in the second pound in this bowl just like you probably heard and i'm gonna sprinkle the last this quarter teaspoon of peptic enzyme on top of that and there we go they're nicely distributed that'll help pre-break it down as it's thawing as well and probably about three or four hours from now i'm going to come back and really start the cider making but i had to get these thawed first i want these at closest to room temperatures i'm going to get there i'd probably have to wait more like 10 to 12 hours for that kind of that whole mass to get down to room temperature but this will get us pretty close waiting a few hours and i don't know what the do you hear my cat having a dang fit oh he's okay <laughs> he's, he's trying to get the dog's attention i think he wants to rub up against her um anyway sorry i got distracted there um yeah i'm gonna cover this up with some plastic wrap and in about four hours i'll come back and really get into the cider making here All right, first uh, little snafu here in the cider. The It's got about an hour to go. The peaches are starting to thaw. They're still mostly frozen, especially I'm, I'm sure the ones on the bottom I haven't checked. Uh, four hours, I guess, probably wasn't necessarily enough. I still have a lot more time, but uh, I was basing that on cherries. I'm using a cherry mead, which that's a completely different beast, I guess, when it comes to fruit. But that's not the snafu. The snafu is I figured it's still a little frozen. I'll wait a few more hours and then I'll do it later tonight than rather today like I expected. Well, I went to get the stuff together for it, including the muslin bag to put these in because I do not want them loose in the fermenter. And I am out of muslin bags for the size. I have some small ones and I need about six of them. I'm guessing probably more to do this where as opposed to my big ones where I just need one and I don't think I want to do six of them especially when I want to put a weight in the bottom and only have one weight to do well I have three actually but I don't have six and uh so I can get them by tomorrow 
maybe even tonight, but I'm going to count on getting them tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the plastic wrap back on this bowl of peaches, frozen, mostly frozen peaches now, ni nice and tight. It's kind of just laying there now to keep stuff out of it. I'm going to put it on nice and tight, put it in the fridge and hit this up again tomorrow when I have the muslin bag. So not the worst thing that could happen. I could have not gotten any bags from anybody. There's a, I have two choices just to give you a kind of a behind the scenes thing. I have a friend that thinks they have them. Um, he's going to double check. And the closest brew shop to me, which is not that close now that the closest one is closed, says they have them in stock. So I'm waiting to see if I'm going to get them from my friend or from the shop. So either way, I'm going to get some tonight. But by the time I get back, I probably won't really want to finish this up. Maybe I will. We'll see. But uh, can't do that till I have the muslin sack. And uh, that's what I'm waiting on now. I've got the muslin bag and I got it last night. Actually, I got them. I should say I got a pack of 10. I had to go to the store, so I made it worth the effort. Instead of paying uh, well, 99 cents for one, I got a 10 pack for like eight bucks. And I'll need them anyway. I'm going to make a fruited something, be it a cider again or definitely a mead down the road. And I can use them for whatever. I have the, now I have two sizes on hand. This, this The ones I got tonight were the 32 inch long ones. I think the other ones I have are 16. That's what they had, the two choices. I think I had the 16, and those are clearly too small. And the 32 is clearly big enough. It's, I hasten to say it might be too big, because I'd rather it be too big than too small. But I may have, I won't say have to, I may decide to cut off a little bit of the end once I tie it off, just to, just to make it more manageable. It's muslin. It's, it's not going to take up a lot of volume or soak up a lot of liquid, so I'm not real worried about it shorting my batch. But just to make the bag more manageable, if there is a lot left over after I tie it off, I'll cut it off. But I don't know. I, it, may, may, it may not. It's, we'll see. It's, it's, a, it's a long, skinny muslin sack like all the other ones. So what I'm going to do first is what I do with all of these when I add anything in one of these muslin sacks post-boil or uh, post-sanitization. I'm not sure. After everything's been sanitized. It, this is a, it's a weird way for me to phrase this because I'm not boiling anything this time. So there is no boil. Everything is going to be sanitary going into this so the bag needs to be as well and i could soak it in starzan and probably be okay but considering these things are probably hand packaged or handled multiple times by multiple people by the time they get to the store including myself getting it out of the bag i'm going to boil it first for 10 minutes to make sure anything that's kind of in that material is dead and then i'll also put it in starzan to hold it but I wanna I take that extra step. I, this isn't just with this batch of cider. I do it with beers when I, when I use the bags to dry hop or add fruit or something. I always do that just for that extra step of precaution. So I'm gonna do that now. And once that's done, I will finally be able to get started on this cider. The muslin bag is now boiling and I've got my tools out, I guess you'd say, ready for the cider. I have my fermenter filled with sanitizer. I have another bowl with sanitizer and in both of them I have a mixing spoon, a ladle, a fork, which I will talk about a little bit later, two pipettes, which I will also talk about very soon, the lid for the fermenter, the stopper, and the airlock. And that's about it right now. I got to get the apple juice, the fermato, the scale to weigh that up. 
And, oh, the yeast is out. The yeast is out on the counter. I left that out from when I thought I was going to do this yesterday. And, again, that's a Safeel AB01 Saturday yeast. So let me get the rest of my ingredients together and uh, just wait out this boil and then start getting everything together. I just looked it up, and a New World Standard Cider, which I think this is what it would be. Well, it would technically be a cider with fruit, but... I think as a base style, I think New World is where it would fit. Its starting gravity range is 1045 to 1065, so I'm a little short, which I thought might be the case. But the peaches may bring that 0.03 last little bit to take that into range, and it also might not. And that is such a low number that I do not want to mess with it just yet on this batch so i'm gonna go with what i got just the apple juice directly in on top of the peaches the fermato the the yeast obviously let it ferment out and then back sweeten and and see what i got if it tastes a little thin if it loses some kind of or doesn't have some kind of character that i think might be related to that alcohol level i'll adjust for my next batch but first batch ever in fact Adding peaches to it is probably a bad idea also, but I wanted, I really thought, when I thought of peaches, I was looking at frozen fruit, I was like, I really want to do that. So that might be a mistake too, but I, I have too many unknowns going into this that I'm not going to mess with the sugar content. I do have a ton of corn sugar on hand, and that's probably what I would use to ramp it up without looking it up. And... But I'm not going to, as I said. So, um, yeah, we're going to see what happens. So the timer should be just about ending on that, that muslin sack. I'll get it out of the water, let it cool a little bit, get in some sanitizer, and get this cider made. Now for the mystery of the fork I said that was sanitizing. This is an unplanned step. I don't even know if this is going to work, but I'm going to try it now. I have the peaches out. I'm waiting for the bag to kind of cool down a little bit before I dunk it in sanitizer. I figure I might try to smash up the peaches. Which I'm trying now, which is not really working. But at the very least, I can tell that they're thawed. Eh, it's kind of, it's smashing a little. I kind of just want to pierce them a little bit, give some more area for the uh, yeast to get in there and, and get the sugars and pull the flavor out. I'm not, I don't want to turn it into mashed potatoes. If I wanted to do that, I would have got the potato masher. But I kind of just want to break them up a little smaller than they are without having to cut every single one. And it's, eh, it's working to a degree. I wouldn't call it a complete success. I think that's all I'm going to do. Yeah, I tried for about 30 seconds, and all I'm doing is moving around at this point. Oh, actually, I'm getting a little purchase now. I might do this for, uh, I take it back. I might do it for another minute or so just to kind of get it broken up. But mush-like, but not mushy. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be working better than I thought. I gave up a little too early. And that recording. So I'll keep doing this and then, uh, yeah, the bag should be cooled by then. I'll dunk in a little sanitizer, get it inside the fermenter, and we'll start this by putting the fruit in. All right, the peaches are in, and it was a really simple process. I just took the bag and lowered it into the fermenter and stretched about an inch of it or so around the lip, the lid of the fermenter. I'm using a little big mouth bubbler so i got a nice big like that's about a six inch wide uh opening maybe more and i kind of held it in one place with one hand and ladled the peaches in with another and went pretty smooth and in the end after i tied off the bag or went to tie it off i was like yeah, there's no really no sense in 
cutting this, I'll be cutting maybe an inch two at best if I really wanted to get um, meticulous with the bag length. But that's only like two inches of extra bag, if you want to call it that. And by the time these peaches very likely swell, I mean, they might not swell up too much, maybe a little bit, get a little apple logged, I guess, <laughs> instead of waterlogged. They'll have nice uh, room to expand. I also put a fermentation weight in there, which is a circle glass disc that you or use with a mason jar you actually put it on top of your stuff in the mason jar to help it kind of push down all the matter and push out air and whatnot but in this case it's just a nice really smooth easy to clean easy to sanitize surface and is heavy and i put that in there with it to hold down the peaches under the liquid so it doesn't get moldy rest is really simple now i'm going to put in the juice one half gallon at a time and then put in the rest of the ingredients. So I will actually come back with each of those steps. So actually, no reason to come back when I can go ahead and at least let you hear me putting the juice in now because I know everyone was waiting with bated breath to hear the sound of apple juice being poured into a glass fermenter. So, so here's that sound now. I hope that lived up to everyone's expectations. Apple juice is all in. I'm going to go ahead and put in the half of a teaspoon of peptic enzyme, which I did not mention was out earlier. It was still sitting out on the counter from when I put it on the, I put a quarter teaspoon on the pizza. So all together, this is going to have three quarters of a teaspoon of peptic enzyme in one form or another. That is, I believe, a quarter more than I said in the intro. So I just wanted to point that out if anyone's following this recipe. And I'm going to stir this. And you can probably hear I'm stirring very sloppily. That's because aerating the little big mouth bubbler is a little harder than the my other fermenters. It's hard to get a grip on it and shake it. And I'm going to give it a try, but I know I'm not going to be able to do it for like the full minute and a half to 90 seconds that I usually do with my regular brews. So in this case, I'm going to very, very messily mix up the these dry ingredients with a spoon to get a little air in there for the yeast to chew on and then give it a good shake best I can when all said and done. Now I'm adding the Fermate O and I'm going to add that a little at a time because it clumps really easily. So I'm putting about, oh, about a third in now. I'm going to stir that after I set it down out of the way and get my spoon. Stir that up, and I already have some little clumps of it. It does not take much for this. And it was sitting out in the air in Florida, so it's probably clumped as it is. So uh, I'm not going to record all three or four steps of this, but just letting you know that's how I'm editing the fermato. Very little at a time, stirring it to break it up basically and incorporate it. And then when we come back, I'm going to put the lid on and the stopper and try to give this a shake before I put the yeast in. I don't want to shake it when I get the yeast in, and I'll hopefully remember to explain why. I got all the fermato in and mostly incorporated. In fact, it looks like the time that I took to put on the lid and the stopper, that those last little chunks dissolved. Now I have the, like I said, I had the lid on, I have the stopper in. I was gonna give this a good shake, but something I didn't consider when I said that earlier is that there's a glass weight in that bag. And I don't want that thing clunking around too hard and possibly cracking the fermenter, so. I'm gonna start with a couple gentle shakes to see if I can get some air in it. And if I hear some clanging or anything I don't like, I'm gonna stop and just take my chances. I don't have an oxygen tank. 
I have an oxygen stone and a wand, but no tank. Those have been hard to come by since, uh, well, first since the supply chain issue started. So uh, I'm going to try it, but uh, if I don't feel comfortable with it, I'm going to take my chances of not aerating it as much as I would normally do because I have that glass weight against glass. Although it is in a pile of peaches, so hopefully there's enough padding around it, but you never know. I'm going to keep a very sharp eye or ear rather when I do this. Okay, that was really not anything worth worrying about. I sloshed it around and shook it up for probably a good minute actually. And nothing but the sound of the orange juice sloshing around, or orange juice, <laughs> apple juice sloshing around. So I think I feel really good about the aeration I got on this. So now I'm going to pitch the yeast. And the reason I didn't do that when I, oh, actually, there's something I'm going to do first. But I will, since I started down this road, uh, I'm going to pitch the yeast. The reason I didn't do that before shaking it is because I pitch dry yeast dry. And I hear the collective groans of old school brewers all over the world that I'm sure listen to my show complaining that I don't rehydrate my yeast. Never have, well, okay, rarely have, have, never have in the past four years, never will for the next 40 years. I don't think I'll be around long enough to brew 40 years. I have always been happy with what I've gotten, pitching my yeast dry on top of the wort, and I've really learned to kind of dial in by just feel and knowing my gear and my cooling system, how much to put in. So I don't, not going to say you do you, whatever, if you're listening along and you <laughs> brew and you use dry yeast and you rehydrate it. Awesome. I just don't, that's it. And that, that is, that is, that is the story. That was way longer than <laughs> I think I planned it to be, but here's the, wow. I just realized I never made my point. So pitching that yeast dry on top, when you shake it around, even when you bump it, it, when it starts getting up on the sides, it sticks and clings to the sides and that yeast might not actually get activated. So it, that is a waste. I'll say that. I will say that for pitching it dry. That could be a waste if you bump it, especially if you, if you shake it, it's going to get all on those dry sides and the top of that lid. And that's just, that's, that doesn't do the brew any good. So that's why I don't, that's why I don't shake it until I pitch the yeast, but I don't really use dry yeast so much anyway. So all this soapboxing I'm doing, there's really no point. The yeast is pitched, and again, that was Seth, or it was Seth Cider, sorry, Seth Cider, AB-1, which is kind of that middle of the road. Not too sweet, not too dry cider yeast. That's a good one to start with. So that's in there, and it's half a pack. Pack's good for uh, five gallons. This is one gallon, so half a pack's more than I need. That is an overpitch, but it should, it will be fine. It will be fine, I'm sure. I, even though it's my first cider, it's not my first time using fermentous products, so I think I'm good there. I have the ferment, one of my fermentation fridges set at 65, which I believe is in the range. I'm just going to, it is, it's a little, uh, it's a little in the high range, but uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with it. 65 is a good litmus test and it's a number I'll remember because almost everything I do in ales at least are 65 degrees. So, okay. Um, I need to go get, I have these little thermal, um, I don't know what we call them, little cuts of a uh, thermal insulation. It's this like silver, looks like silver uh, bubble wrap sort of kind of I have little cuts of that that I hold on with a rubber band and put the temperature sensor against the fermenter to make sure it holds temperature I need to get one of those get a couple of rubber bands put this in a fermentation fridge and then clean up very little meads and ciders 
they there's a great argument for making those especially when it comes to getting done fast and cleaning up i would have been done and this is i'm not complaining about recording before i say this i would have been done this in half the time if i didn't stop and record because it's a it's a very keep moving process and i always need two hands i gotta stop and pick up the recorder and talk but i'm happy to talk about it so don't get me wrong but i'll tell you man when it comes to being done there's really nothing like washing out two bowls and then kicking your feet up and have the rest of the night ahead of you when it comes to making a mead and a cider. I forgot to come back around to something I said in an earlier recording is that what I had something I had to do before I pitched the yeast. And if you're a brewer, you probably figured it out at the time, then I glossed right over it. And that's take the actual true starting gravity reading. And with the peach edition right off the bat, it is 1.4 or 1043, maybe one, four, two and a half. It's not much. Maybe more will get drawn out. I don't expect it to necessarily. And that's all right. It's the first uh, cider again. I did look up what sugar to use in case I have to increase it again somewhere down the line. And I saw the, the suggestion that made the, the most and perfect sense and is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to have some on hand for future ciders if I really get into this. And it said to use apple concentrate, like one of those little frozen uh, tubes, I guess you call it. Use that to increase your sugar because it's concentrated, it's high in sugar, and it's apple. I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense because I can put in corn sugar and probably dry it out. I saw some people say table sugar, same deal as corn sugar. It'll, it'll increase it, but it'll also dry it out. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get some apple, some cheap apple concentrate, like the, the, the store, um, the supermarket brand, and have that on hand for things like this. I don't know how much I'll need, but I know it's not going to be the whole thing every time. And even if it is, uh, I almost have room. If I didn't have the peaches in it, I'd have room in the fermenter. So that's what I'm going to have on hand for future batches of my cider attempts. I just finished kegging the cider and I also back sweetened. Didn't really think to record any of that, although I should have, especially for my own purposes for recording what happened or keeping track of it. But I'll try to get through this from my memory best as I can. One thing I'm really upset that I forgot, I don't even know how I just, I plain out forgot to take a gravity reading because now the gravity reading with the sample that's left is going to be skewed with the allulose that I use for back sweetening. So I don't know what it was. I do know it was extremely dry, so I'm going to assume it fermented all out. I can probably do the calculation based on the original gravity. So like I said, I did back sweeten. At first, all I could taste was like that bright, or uh, that tart, strong, dry apple. But after two tablespoons of allulose, the... That's that the tartness definitely lessened, but then the peach started to come out. Not strong, but a hint of it was there. I didn't think it was quite sweet enough, so I put two more tablespoons in. And at that point, I liked it. I could use more, and I just talked about this on the meat episode, if you heard that, that my sweetness level preference is probably way higher than most judges, or most people, I should say, so lump judges in there. So I stopped it where I thought it could use just a little more, and that's probably more balanced to what might be expected from this. I don't know. I'll have my wife try it and find out. I can tell you, right off the bat, without carbonation, definitely wish I had more apple flavor. Wish I'd known about that apple concentrate trick before. But we'll see what happens once this is carbonated. So it was four tablespoons of allulose in a full, I got a full gallon out of this. A little bit of a peach flavor so far on the nose and definitely on the taste once that was back sweetened. 
Now it's in a keg with a little bit of fightings with the cellophane, and I'm going to carbonate it, bottle it, and taste it. Well, I wasn't really happy with the results of the cider from the last recording, so I've made some more changes and took a couple steps to get to this point. First, I added some potassium sorbate and potassium uh, metabisulfate to the cider to put the to make the yeast dormant keep them from fermenting anymore because now i'm going to add directly fermentable sugars to this again so i went and bought a one canister or can i guess you'd call it of uh apple juice frozen apple juice concentrate let that thaw i used about a third of that can in there and i got the apple flavor better closer to what i wanted there's maybe like a little bit of a I don't know, artificial taste or almost, I wouldn't say chemical because it's 100% natural, but something a little off, like like a little stronger than normal. I'm hoping the carbonation kind of smooths that out. And I also saw that I had some, oh, who's this? Olive Nation Georgia Peach Flavor Fountain. It's a flavoring that you put in for a soda fountain that I've used for seltzer. So put in a couple, I don't even know what, I have these two milliliter pipettes and I put in like three doses of that. They don't quite get full all the way to two, so that's maybe five milliliters at best. I didn't really measure it. I did it to taste. And it has a peach presence, but not too overwhelming yet. Um, I've noticed with these before, they do with the fountain flavors, the uh, flavoring tends to recongeal when it's cold and sink to the bottom. So that might come out at carbonation when I kind of run off the the uh, sediment that's in there, but the taste right now, in fact, I still have a cup right here. Nice, strong apple taste now, and just a hint of peach that I know is there. Oh, actually, ooh, in the finish and the aftertaste, it's quite there. I kind of hope it sticks like that, so we'll see. So I'm gonna give this a couple days to sit. I'm gonna see if it, uh, what the CO2 level looks like in it, if it's uh, re-fermenting again, and if not, I will carbonate it up at least taste it i guess well i mean i guess i really don't need to check the co2 level to carbonate it and then taste it i'll decide whether i'm going to bottle it or not i probably will go on the safe side and can it because if it can explodes it'll rupture a seam rather than break the glass and even though both are messy one's a lot less dangerous so i think i'm going to can it out of a little bit of abundance of precaution or maybe just precaution because i'm not quite sure I put enough of the uh, sulfates in to get those yeast dormant. So that's the plan. So that's where we're headed next. It's tasting time for the cider. And I have the pour in front of me. And first, we can talk about color. It's yellow, um, dark yellow. It's gold, actually. No head, and I don't think ciders are known for lasting heads at all. I one thing right up right to start with, I wish I'd done, and I didn't think of it until now, until actually kind of taking a look at this and and doing a pre-recording sample myself. I wish I'd gotten just one bottle of anything, just anything commercial to kind of compare it to to see where it falls, because I'm not a huge cider drinker. I don't know it near as well as almost any style of beer, but I didn't, so maybe next time. So, as far as, like I said, the, there's no head, and I don't believe I really ever see a head on a cider when it's poured, at least not a long-lasting one. 
Now, it is carbonated. I can, like, stir it up and get some bubbles going. But as far as it being effervescent, there's no effervescence on it, which is surprising. I thought there might be some in this, but it just does not seem to have happened, at least in this pour. Now, um, what else? Oh, that's the one thing I want to take up. There is a certain haziness to it. I wouldn't call it cloudy. Just a certain haziness to it. And that's that's even with removing the condensation out off the glass. And that's surprising because I did use peptic enzyme and then I did use some biofine. Uh, actually, that's not true. I used silifine. And I was reading that biofine is usually pretty good for clearing ciders. And I thought they were sort of mostly the same. Maybe not. I do have some biofine left. So maybe when I do this again, I'll try biofine specifically and see if that gives me a different result. But I also might have a different cider than two. So... I don't know if that's going to be a real, oh, I was just going to say apples to apples comparison. That's no pun intended there. But let's get into the appearance we can always work on. Let's get into the main crux of, of any fermented beverage, the aroma and the taste. Now, initially on the aroma, when I poured this, I smelled a very yeasty character, almost bread yeast-like. But that's either my, either I've adjusted to the aroma of it or that was just out of the, fresh out of the, bottle pour. I did keg this, carbonate it, and then I bottled everything I could out of it because I needed that keg right when it was done. So it made, that could have been like a something that was kind of building in the bottle because I'm trying now and I really don't get it. I do get the kind of sharpness of apples, definitely the sharpness of a, there's a, there's almost a warmth burning from the alcohol, not not like a, as much as a spirit, but a definite presence of it. I'd say overall, the most dominant aroma kind of is a tart apple to it. Now, no peach at all on the aroma, none, none. It's all apple and a little bit of that alcohol sensation rather than aroma. So let's get into taste. I will say the first thing I noticed that the mouthfeel on it is like there's a it's a quite carbonated. Not quite sure why it's not expressing any kind of carbonation in the, in the glass, but I can actually feel the carbonation like washing across my tongue as I taste it. In fact, it was so distracting, I kind of forgot to pinpoint some other tasters. Let me do it again. So definite apple, strong apple presence, little sweet, little tart, almost a fresh apple quality to it, like a bite into a red delicious apple or, or an apple slice. And I'm going to keep hammering back to the sweetness because, interestingly, it finishes quite dry, which is kind of the opposite of what ex I would expect when I'm getting all those sweetness across my palate and tongue. And even in the aftertaste, let me try it again and see if it's just my imagination. After, once the aftertaste is done, well, I should say, that's not true. The finish before the aftertaste is dry and then the finish, the, the sweet lingers. That's very interesting. Now, for the peach part, I can distinguish a little bit of really almost overripe peach in it, and that might be being accentuated by the apple, but I know how much peach I used and how much peach flavoring on top of that I used, so I have a definite bias going into this. That's it's Even with all that, it's so... Blend it in with that sweet apple or coming out as that sweet apple. I'm not sure a judge would count, consider that peach or say that it's the right balance for a cider with fruit in it when being judged because it's so 
either delicate or even just being ah, what's a, I don't I'm not sure how to say it, it's being lost in the apple. It's there, but it's it's like there's so much apple that the the peach is barely there. It's it's like it's like here we go. This is a, it's like a two page Where's Waldo picture where he's there. He's undeniably there. You just don't necessarily find him right away. That's the peach in this. I mean, that's what you call the cider. Where's Waldo? Because it's there. It's somewhere. It makes up the whole of the cider, but it's not standing out and jumping out at you. You really have to look for it, but instead of with your eyes, with your tongue and your other senses. So I don't know. I have six bottles of this. I, I'm so let's ask, actually let's I'm jumping ahead. So let's we'll answer some questions here. Will I make this again? I will make a cider again. I'm not going to make this again this way. There's some other things I want to try and I want to learn and get into a better process of making cider. So that's kind of a yes. I'll make a cider again, but it's never going to be exactly like this. So that's a no. So I guess that's really the answer. I just talked myself into two different answers there. What would I change about this? Um, I think next time I'm just going to go for a straight cider, apple cider. I'm not going to mess with any other flavors because I want to see, I want to make sure I'm getting the apples fermented and the balance right with the base of what a cider is before I start introducing other elements into it. That way I know I've one part is right. I got to work on the second. I think I took on a little too much for my first one here to know whether or not it's completely a success or not. I, I it's, perfectly serviceable and drinkable but is it award-winning probably not it would really depend on how much the what the other ciders did or were like that it up was up against now speaking of that will i send a talk off competition i do have six bottles of it like i started to say so i have enough for two competitions if i don't want to drink this and i'm not a big cider drinker in fact i rarely drink much of my beers that i brew Anyway, I'm actually enjoying the meads more at this point. But with that, it's still okay. I think it's better than some examples I've judged. It's definitely not as good as other ones I've judged. So I think I'm going to hold on to them. And it's going to be one of those situations where like we just had with the very first competition here in Florida, Coconut Cup, where it started with four entries per brewer. Then you got down to the last few weeks and they hadn't sold out yet. So they upped it to six entries per brewer. If we get another situation like that somewhere along the circuit. My fifth or sixth entry might be this cider. It's definitely not going to be my first one, two, or three, or even four. Mostly it's three. Just the fact that this, this contest started with four, which or competition started with four was a, was unusual, but it wouldn't be my first choice. If we get a second choice of entries to put in, then I might try it. Might be worth the eight to 10 bucks to roll that dice, take a chance, and also maybe get some feedback. Hopefully it's an experienced judge with cider. But having said that, going into this completely blind and self-taught, it's really not that bad, but it definitely could be better. And I think I have some ideas already how to make it better. And, and that's going to start with just making a good apple cider then working from there. So that's what I'm going to do next when I go into ciders. But that's not what I'm doing next on the show. I think, I believe, I'm finally getting to some beers in the next episodes. Because I know I have, oh, I don't know why I show these numbers. These numbers mean nothing. I have three or four brewing days recorded that I need to dump off my recorder and do the intros for. And then actually taste so there's definitely more beer coming i have no means and i have no ciders in next so next one has to be a beer unless something <laughs> happens we shall see so and you'll see in the next episode which i hope you join me for i hope you enjoyed some of this it's not a perfect 
definitive explanation and process of making a cider yet, but it's a start and it's hopefully going to lead to one somewhere down the road that I will certainly learn from and can share with in a future episode, but not, not the worst start I could have had on something I've never done before. That is for sure. So, all right. On that note, I will say, of course, thank you for listening and I will see you in that next episode. <laughs>